0: You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. And now, here's your hosts of the show Lucio Arique.
1: Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. I forget the rest. And Joshua. All right, Poindexter, sit down, shut up, and listen. That's how my father always began our football conversation. And if you'd like, after the game, I'll take you outside and teach you how to shoot close enough to a raccoon that it craps itself.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. And, uh, well, another horrible, horrible loss Fresno State had against San Jose State in San Jose. But, you know, that's besides the point. There's plenty of other stuff going on with this Bulldog team. And so I'd like to go ahead and introduce my co-host, Mr. Josh Webb. I think you're muted. You know, buddy,
1: there are a couple things that I am always okay with. Uh Uh-huh. One of them is putting myself on mute either on my microphone and then trying to talk on Skype or putting myself on mute on Skype and then trying to talk on my microphone. (laughs) Uh, the other thing is the Big Bang Theory. Uh oh. And I can tell you exactly what episode that is, too.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll, I thought you were gonna you were gonna tell me never to do that again because No, no, it's, no, no. no. I can tell you exactly
1: line. what episode that is. It's a it's no, a, no, I, it's a I, fine I, line. I have every season of the Big Bang Theory and religiously watched that show and, and I have watched those episodes numerous times. So I am I am aces on that
0: one well I, I you know what i would been trying to figure out something to kind of lighten the mood a little bit and i one show that always makes me laugh is the big bang theory and i said why not get some of those clips and put them on our intro just to kind of lighten the mood because it's been it's been quite a, a somber one. and you know what the Fresno greatest you
1: know what the greatest part about that entire episode is
0: what's that
1: Well, they always for every Big Bang Theory, they always have some sort of they always have some sort of weird name that that's a play on either a a, a, a theorem, an axiom, a postulate, just just something in the hard sciences is, is is usually at the end of it. And then something weird at the front of it that that all makes sense when you watch the episode. An example of uh, this would be uh, what they did with with the football episode that you're talking about. And for those who haven't seen it, it's this rather choice episode where Leonard, who's trying to impress Penny, decides that he is going to learn about the sport of college football. And with Penny being from Nebraska, she is obviously a huge Cornhuskers fan. And uh, the the name of that episode is actually the Cornhusker Vortex.
0: Yes, it is. I, I knew if anybody was going to pick up the reference on this uh, on this episode, it would be you. But I wasn't sure if you were going to be a fan of Big Bang Theory or a hater because. It- yeah, I was a hater
1: at first. I was a hater at first, man. I, uh, I, I thought the show was stupid when it, for the first three seasons when it came out. I'd caught it a couple of times, and I couldn't stand Sheldon. Sheldon annoyed the crap out of me. I couldn't understand why anybody would watch that show. And then my buddy Matt came over with a flash drive. You know, one summer we our cable was just super crappy. There was nothing on, and I'd stay up super late at night. You know, that those them's was my partying days. And uh, he brought me over a flash drive that just had like a whole bunch of movies and stuff on it and TV shows uh, that he downloaded. And it was the first three seasons of The Big Bang Theory um, uh, was one of the things on there. And so I sat there and I was like, all right, you know, I really don't have anything to watch. I'd already burned through uh, all of Burn Notice at that point, catching up on Burn Notice. So I just decided, like, all right, I'm just going to watch this show and give it another fair chance. And, like, three episodes in, I was, like, sitting there looking at myself going, what the hell was I thinking? Like, how did I hate this show? Like, I'm the worst human
0: being on the planet. It's actually the one show where I actually laugh out loud just because a lot of these things kind of hit home with me. So it's, uh, you know, what do you do? I mean, of course, I, I am a nerd at heart. Look at me! I'm I'm taking care of a podcast, so you know what kind of a person does that. Well, you got to be kind of a little bit nerdy to kind of do what we do. So, I uh, you know I, I love that show, and I thought let's put it on here and just kind of lighten the mood because uh, you got to be a lot
1: nerdy to be me. <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I you know I relate to a lot of things that you do, so <laughs> it's not a problem. I mean,
1: I'm 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 going to be adding a third Marvel character to my arm. So, you know, I, I I think that at a certain point,
0: <laughs>
1: nerd is as nerd does.
0: There you go. Well, you know, like I said, I had to lighten up the mood this week. It's been uh, pretty rough for the Bulldogs, you know. They they lose yet another quarterback. And, you know, Josh, I think you know the particulars a lot better than I do of what happened to Ford Childress. Could you, could you kind of go back and, and kind of – you know, tell us what exactly happened with Ford Childress. Um, for those of the those people out there who are yet to know exactly what the details of his injury is.
1: Yeah. So, f- for those of you who either just couldn't take any more of the bad news, or or just somehow managed to miss the report, uh, <clears throat> Ford Childress ruptured his spleen in the game against San Jose State. Uh, Daruder said that he went back and and they've watched the film from the game and and they can't figure out where the hit occurred. Um, and that's that's no indictment on the coaching staff. Like that's that's not a knock. I'm 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 being very literal there, oh, saying that they've they've gone back, they've reviewed the tape, they can't find where the hit happened. I can't uh, see it
0: either. I mean, I've looked, and no, I can't find you know, it.
1: uh, and, and 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 you know that there there are a lot of people who've said the same thing. Um, and and these types of injuries can occur. in in a very freak fashion and, and off of things that you really wouldn't suspect would do it. Sometimes it's as simple as where a guy has his arm placed over his head. When, when he gets hit opening those exposed areas, you know, uh, by the rib cage and such, uh, and, or, you know, at, at the back there by the spine, um, anything can happen, man. And, 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 and sometimes all it takes is a rib or a, you know, a joint or, or an elbow. Um, and, and, and that's, that's all she wrote. And, uh, this appears to be one of those freak accidents that, that honestly, uh, nobody, yeah, it's gonna, it's going to be impossible to figure out like what caused this. But the point is, is that he's going to be out now, uh, they have him listed. They expect him to miss the, re- the remainder of the season. Uh, optimistically, I've been told about four to six weeks. Um, yeah. But, but truth be told, uh, look, man, Zach Greenlee was ahead of Ford Childress on, on on this depth chart anyway. So even if Ford had come back, I don't know that he would have been ahead of Greenlee. So, or, or when he does come back, if he does come back early from this injury. Yeah. Um, I mean, if Greenlee's tanking it by that time, that's the, <laughs> all, all bets are off. But
0: <laughs> we, we might but, see but, a good uh, deal of but, Kilton Anderson if that happens.
1: Right, right. I, I mean, it's it's sort of one of those situations where this uh, this may actually, and I hate saying this because I don't think this in in, in any sense of the word other than this may actually allowed four Childress to go back and get a medical red shirt, and and whereas he might've lost a year of eligibility in this as, as he is already a, a transfer student, this could kind of extend that and give him another chance. If, fo- if playing football really is his goal, that's it, it really b- would be the silver lining of the whole situation. It's not good news. It's just the silver lining it, is that he, he, he it disappears. Like it may give him another opportunity at Fresno state, Um, you know, where, where quarterbacks, don't seem to be working out, whatever the case may be. Um,
0: I I have no idea. I mean, I don't don't, don't really
1: much know either. But but (laughs) what we do know is that a teammate noticed him acting weird on the bus home. A teammate noticed him. You know, and, and drew the attention to the coaches. They got him the proper medical treatment. Hats off to his teammate for sensing that something was wrong, especially in light of what happened to the young man, I believe, from Illinois, uh, the, the 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 high school quarterback who suffered this exact same injury and died. Uh, there are obviously much more severe outcomes to this injury, and and. Yeah, everybody in this situation is lucky that that it didn't turn out that way um, through, you know, proper observation and and just uh, a heads up, heads up, you know, uh, recognition by a teammate to notice that something wasn't right. You know, I, I, I mean, props, seriously, props. Uh, I I mean, we there's not enough of that that goes on where people are trained to look for some of those kinds of things. And so this is one of those things where it could have ended. And, and I say this with all sincerity because that young man passed away like, what, a week? Yeah. Wasn't it like a week before this happened?
0: Yeah, I was trying to pull up the article, and for some reason and, there was a, a video kind of started playing, so I had to close it. But, yeah, it, it looked like he passed away. Actually, he he. Uh, when we found out about Ford, the very next day, I see that article about that high school student who uh, who died because of the exact same injury. So that only tells you exactly how lucky Ford Childress is. Uh, because how lucky one of his everybody teammates. is,
1: really. I mean, it's you know, I, I, I I'm sure his family wouldn't have considered themselves lucky if anything no, had happened to him. No.
0: And, no. I
1: mean, and you know, obviously, right now football doesn't need more more injuries claiming lives. Like there there are serious health and safety concerns going on in football. And you know, even when I tweeted that news, an account retweeted me. I, I don't know who it is. I don't know what it is. Uh, but it, it's an account called the Concerned Mom. And uh, you know, I I just very quickly read the byline on it, and uh. It, This similar thing happened to her son, collapsed into practice. And, and, you know, a lot of parents are doing this. They're taking action against football now. We saw a high school team, uh, I believe in the Midwest, they actually shut down their program they just are like you know they didn't have the enrollment the the, the kids weren't sizable enough and and I was actually listening to uh, the athletic director or I believe the the, the superintendent of the school district or, or the principal one, it was one of the two one of the three talk about this subject and say look we were starting to field kids that were smaller and smaller and injuries started happening at a greater frequency and at a certain point you know if we can't play the game safely we're not going to put our kids out there and do that and you know i'm not saying that that's what happened here i i, I think what happened with ford and what happens at college football well i'm not going to say it's any better than <laughs> high school though i do think it's a little bit better if anything it's only better because games are so much more prominent now that the media watchdog the hell out of things
0: well and, and you got yeah. when,
1: when grady hoke tried to put shane morris back in the game after that mission that's what got brady hoke fired that was the beginning of the end for for Brady Hook right there.
0: And, you know, in college football, you have all these safety protocols in, and you've got the medical staff that's ready and available, ready to go. At high school, you know, they have, what, two paramedics at a game uh, to help out. And, you know, sometimes that's not enough. I mean, these these colleges now, uh, they're getting to the point where they have all these medical facilities right on site now to take care of this kind of situations. And
1: some conferences are experimenting with putting a trained physician in there with the ability to stop play. They're they're independent of both teams. It's a doctor in there who specializes in, in you know, they're trained in spotting traumatic head injury or, or significant injury to a player. And they have the ability. I know the NFL is doing this, too, I believe. Oh, yeah. They have the ability now to to actually stop the game and get that player off the field independent of either party. And, and, and the NFL has given them the ability to do this. And, and, you know, the, the, the right to call down to an official and say, no, I don't care. Stop the play. Like that guy needs to come out. And, you know, college might want to look at more of that. I, I, I'm I, not going to say it would be better. I'm not going to say we don't even know what happened with Childress here. And I'm not saying anything could have been done to prevent this type of injury. But certainly as as the injuries are piling up in college football this year and oh, for Childress is but one. It, it, uh, is,
0: it is bad. I I mean, it's, it's really the, bad this year.
1: It's getting really to bad. the
0: point where I'm kind of not enjoying watching college football this year because there's so many injuries going on. Uh, Oregon, I mean,
1: UCLA, and Notre Dame alone. Across like, the board. I mean,
0: every team pretty much is getting decimated by injuries this and year. It's,
1: and it's not teams losing small guys, you know? I mean, Oregon loses Byron Marshall, Vernon Adams, Thomas Tyner, you know? I mean, all gone. UCLA, Eddie Vanderdose, Miles Jack, and you're just... I mean, you know, the list goes <laughs> on and
0: on and on. Yeah,
1: the list, Anu Solomon, Scooby Wright for Arizona. Like, I mean, these aren't... Small players. These are starting quarterbacks. These are starting linebackers. And and you know Fresno here too. Same thing, man. This is you know uh, injuries hurt them a couple years ago, and and it, you it's know bad. now now it's injuries are starting to catch up with them too.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh it's 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 at a point right now where it's it's getting pretty bad. And uh, well, if you don't coach these kids behind them up to To take over, it's gonna it's gonna be a long season for Fresno State, and uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I hate to say it, but I don't see, I don't see this uh, going very well this year for Fresno State. I mean, we were optimistic, saying that they were gonna be a five hundred team. Right now, I'm kind of I'm kind of reevaluating that whether or not they're even gonna be a five hundred team. So we'll we'll just have to we'll have to play it by ear and take it game by game and see how how things develop. I mean, Fresno could eventually go on a winning streak, uh, but that that's a story for another day. I have no idea how the, the rest of the season is going to play out. But uh, I know this week, fans have been very vocal about what has been going on with this football program, um, and not too many people are actually happy on how the coaching staff are kind of dealing with the whole situation, and... Uh, you know who who's to blame here i mean is it the is it the coaching staff for not getting the players ready is it the players not getting themselves ready i mean where where does where does the blame end where does blame begin and where does it end um what do you what's your take on this josh i mean i know this is what a lot of the fresno state fans are trying to figure out themselves
1: right now i i would argue that that it's on scheme um The coaches can continuously point to players obviously not doing the right thing. And, and, and I do think that, that, that is the case. I do, you know, when I watch the film, I see guys out there, they're missing tackles. Guys are, you know, they're, they're down blocking improperly. They don't have their feet set. You know, I, I I mean, one of our, one of our uh, subscribers and in a former bulldog player, two time dog backer on, on barkboard.com has has on several different occasions broken down what should be happening versus what is happening. And, and all too often we're seeing a, a lot of the same predictable play calling um, coaches, not recognizing when situational play calling isn't working. And, and, and more or less we've seen about three years of this same stuff from this Fresno state defense. And, and, over the course of, of three years, it's, it, it's OK to say that there's a mistake here. There's a mistake there, guys. But, but when your defense consistently ranks in the low 100s, I don't give a damn what the coach says. And I don't give a damn how logically he can defend it. Yeah. If your defense is ranked that bad for that long, it's a scheme thing. It's impossible to defend it otherwise. It is an absolute scheme thing because one of two things is going on. One, you're either not coaching the players. Well, I guess it's one of three things, and I talked about this on the board. One, and, and this is self-admitted by DeRuiter, that they got to develop uh, the depth better. The problem is, is that it's year four. The time to develop your depth was – you know, year two, year three. The fact that you're even the coaching staff are even saying that they have to develop depth better indicates that it's not something that they've really paid attention to in the past. It's kind of We're a slap in that. the face. Coaching.
0: It's kind of a slap in the face to the fans. I mean,
1: it really is. <laughs> I mean, to, to to sit there and say it's it's on the players or it's not a scheme thing, and then turn back around and say, we got to develop guys better. Well, I mean, part of develop, part of your scheme is the development. And if you're not training guys up in your scheme or they're not doing the right things, or you're not recruiting the right players, or you can't get the right guys on the field, then that means your scheme needs to be adjusted. Not because it's maybe it's horribly incorrect. Toth might actually have a good scheme. He, A, might not have the players to do it. Or B, it's just a bad scheme and he might not have the players to do it. There are a whole bunch of different possibilities here. But when you look at the stats, when you look at the advanced stats, everything indicates that this is not player. This is scheme. And and I don't, I don't really expect coaches to come out there and say our scheme sucks because that's bound to get you fired. That's our job. This scheme sucks. We're at the point where it's okay to say that. Um, I I think you'd be doing a disservice if you didn't say that this is, I I mean, it's not Nebraska bad in passing offense, but it's an offense. that just sits there and it blounders, uh, you know, the passing defense, it doesn't matter who you are. Teams seem to find space against these guys. Quarterbacks seem to come out looking all world against these guys, running backs who never produce another game like they have. I'm looking at you, Brian Hill. (laughs) Seem to look amazing against Fresno. That's not a player thing. That's a scheme thing.
0: No, and, it, and and it's gonna if they don't correct this run defense this week, they're gonna have the same issue they had this past week against San Jose. Because you know, even though San Diego State is struggling with their run offense right now, who's to say they're not gonna get it going against Fresno State? I mean, that's what's that's what's the trend has been lately. Is You know, they have the team has a a struggling running back coming into the game, and then they just become world class against Fresno State. And that, I mean, it could very well happen again this weekend against San Diego. So, I mean, Pumphrey is no pushover. And if they can get Pumphrey going, it's going to be another long day for this Fresno State defense. And that's just putting it mildly. I mean, they've got a number of issues that they need to correct. Whether or not they the this coaching staff can put it together before this upcoming game, that's that's to be seen, and we'll 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 keep an eye on that and see what happens. But um, Josh, I'm going to start digging into some of these questions that were left on the board here. I know uh, one of our listeners, you know, they've been asking if we've been hearing anything to the fact about dissension amongst the staff. Now I know you answered a little bit about this, but I, I want to give you this opportunity to kind of elaborate more and kind of get more in depth of what is what you feel is going on, or something you may have heard, or something uh, you know in regards to this this staff uh, here at Fresno State.
1: Um, it's not so much that there's dissension as much as there's just dudes not talking to one another, and eventually you're you're going to see some of that stuff play out. Um, I think as you look at uh as you, as you look at where uh, at where this team's at uh, both developmentally and and obviously record-wise um, d- d- it would appear that the, the the team is disjointed and what sources have told me is that there are three head coaches in the building and that none of them talk to one another and and that was a direct quote from from one source and you know, it's it's pretty evident, because if you look at how often the defense is out there because of the way the offense runs their scheme and vice versa, it doesn't look like there's a lot of collaboration between it. At times when Fresno needs to give their defense a break, the offense doesn't seem to slow the pace down any or pick up critical down and distance by putting themselves uh at, well, not by putting themselves, but by rather putting in some effective play calling, to give the offense an opportunity to a sustain drives, b give the defense a rest, and c put some points on the board. Uh, all too often, we we've seen Fresno State drives. Uh, they're not necessarily three and out, um, but they start with some promise and then they fizzle out. And and I I, I feel like the the big play is not there. Uh, I was going through some of the stats earlier. And and you look at them, and and the big play has not been there for the Bulldogs. Uh, yeah, in in terms of uh, the, the the defense, it's 91st overall in the advanced metrics. They're 106 against the run, 102nd against the pass. Uh, they're 87th on standard, down 121st on passing downs. They have a uh, they're 119th in success rate percentage, and the explosive plays they're 93rd in the nation. So wow. this is a team. That cannot limit the explosive play. They cannot create the explosive play. They cannot run the ball. They cannot, well, I mean, I guess they can run the ball a little, but not as effectively as Waller ran it last year, I don't think. And the constant carousel at quarterback continues, in my opinion, to stunt the development of not only every single quarterback on this roster, but every single receiver that they've had. This... I'm. I wonder if some of these guys on this staff truly know what they're doing at times. I, I honestly do, and I'm not the only one who feels that way.
0: Yeah, uh, it. I, I don't even know where to even begin with that. I mean, it's if I, I'm actually looking at an article that has Fresno State ranked as probably the fifth worst team in college football right now. I mean. And that'll happen when these coaches don't talk to each other and uh, and basically help out. I mean, you've been pointing out the defense is the biggest problem with Fresno State right now. And where do you go to fix it? I mean, that brings me kind of into my next question uh, because, you know, uh, one of our listeners was saying that you and Jackson last week um, were talking about the seat not being too hot for these uh for these coaches. Well, he wants to know if uh, if you since the the latest game against San Jose State, if you guys are starting to kind of change your minds if these coaching if this coaching staff is starting to feel the seat get a little hotter for them. So Okay,
1: well, let's put this into perspective. A San Diego State team that their only win is against well, the University of San Diego, they lost to Penn State. They lost to South Alabama. They lost to Cal. Uh, granted, Cal, you know, they're, they're, they're actually doing pretty well this year. And I don't think anybody really expected San Jose or uh, San Diego State to keep up with Cal simply because, well, they aren't going to outpass those Bears. Uh, but they were actually able to limit the Bear offense to 35 points, which is not That unimpressive considering what Jared Goff's done this season. San Diego State's favored to win that game by nine.
0: Yeah, I saw that. By nine. And that's not good. (laughs) That just tells you exactly where we are. (laughs) I mean
1: uh... So I'm sorry, what was the question again?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Is is the is the seat getting hot for this? this coaching staff, and it's got to. I, I mean, there's—
1: I, Look, I don't necessarily think the seat's getting hot for Derruder. Uh, the reason that I said that, that that I think that there needs to be a change— I, Look, I, I would personally pull the plug on Derruder, but that's because I've seen everything that I need to see. Other people feel differently about him and they're entitled to that. I, I, I think that there is a case that you can make for keeping DeRuder around. I don't think he's going to get the job done. And, and as if, if I were the AD and the shoe were on the other foot, I would pull the plug. But what I also understand is that you're not going to go out and hire a recruiting director like Bartko did this year. And, and, and Bartko wants to see what DeRuder can do. I think that it's it's different to, to say, you know, as fans, well, if he needs to see what DeRuiter can do, all he's got to do is go look at the tape. It's all right there. <laughs> True. But that doesn't tell you the whole story of what Barco wants to see from an efficiency perspective, from a personality perspective, from a community perspective. There are a lot of other things that are important to Barco. And I can, I'm, I, you know, I'll play devil's advocate against myself here for a second and say that if you're a rational man – and and you realize that that the the president signed this guy to an extension and there's a pretty decent buyout. Well, you're gonna want to give him every chance he can to turn it around, especially after he's delivered a couple of Mountain West crowns, and, and one division title. You know, it's 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 hard to just up and out those guys. It's not international or European soccer where a <laughs> top four finish just isn't good enough. No. Um, in some ways, it's getting there, but it's not there yet. Uh, it, but if you're going to hire a recruiting director and, 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 and give Morimoto a chance to go out there, you, that, that probably signals some intent that you're not going to fire your head coach. Because if you brought in a new head coach, <clears throat> he's inevitably going to want to hire his own recruiting director his own recruiting coordinator, or Bartko may even find, you know, the list of applicants that they had for the position with the staff where it's currently at might not have been as great as it may be when they replace it with a different head coach or if they replace him with a different head coach. So, you know, knowing that you've got Morimoto in there, I think that that pretty much tells you Deruter is going to be here another year, but Barko's freeing up some responsibility for him. Yeah. And, and now it's going to come down to coaching. And, and I don't think he's going to pass that test.
0: And, and if he's if, if the rooters are going to stick around, one thing's for sure. He's going to need to get a little more hands on and he is going to need to make sure that these coordinators are talking to one another. And, you know, basically it, the buck stops with the Reuter. If he doesn't take control of his coordinators, there's going to be this, this team's not going to change anytime soon. It's going to, it's going to continue on its downward spiral that I've had,
1: I've had multiple parents, you know, uh, of, of offensive players or defensive players confide in me that, you know, they hear it from their kids that, that this coaching staff, um, either a don't know what they're doing or B are exceptionally harsh on the players. It's, it's something that, that people are starting to pick up on, and you're starting to see it played out in the press a little bit. And, and, and the coaching staff have had to go on the defensive a little bit because people are getting tired of hearing that it's the player's fault following you know fifty point blowouts. No. Uh, yeah. the, every, <laughs> I'm sorry when you get blown out by that much that often you can only blame the players for so long at a certain point there needs to be way more responsibility accepted by the coaching staff for the poor job done over a consistent period of time this is now a season and a half that sram's offense has been completely inept this is now at you know three and a half years that Nick toasts defense has been completely inept we're not talking about one or two games here we're not talking about one or two weeks here we're not even talking about you know a month or a stretch or something like oh october this is well over a year for each one of these coordinators and head coach that they've had something completely inept and have shown an inability to turn things around or even a hint that the turnaround is coming The, the fans have gotten less optimistic not more
0: and i'm one of them and and i was i was i was the one that uh was the most optimistic about having a good season this year and i'm starting to be the biggest pessimist now <laughs> it's just the way it goes i mean this this team i mean what do you say it's it's not in a good spot right now and you know you were you were touching upon the uh, morimoto uh, talking about morimoto there You know, one of our fans wanted to know. You know, we had promised them, you know, kind of a breakdown of what Morimoto's job responsibilities are. And you had someone that you were going to talk to about this. You you actually interviewed him earlier this week, and that's something we're going to be posting up on the website. It's not going to be part of our podcast. We're going to make that as part of the website content instead. But Josh, why don't you why don't you touch upon some of what you actually got to talk about? Uh, so that they can kind of get a, a feel for what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, essentially what I got to talk to Rob Boydston of Duck about, and, and Rob is, you know, he covers a, a significant amount of the recruiting for, for the Oregon Ducks. Um, so obviously he's extremely familiar with how the recruiting director operation worked at Oregon, which is the model for, for what we're going to see here at Fresno State. Um, now, I, a lot of people asked some some questions specifically about Morimoto for that podcast. I probably should have specified that Rob doesn't really know all that much about Morimoto himself <laughs> as much as Rob knows about the position in Bartco. I probably should have emphasized that a little bit better. That's my fault, not not our subscribers fault at all you <laughs> Uh, so I, I wasn't able to ask any of those questions about Morimoto, but I, I, I definitely was able to ask about what Morimoto will be doing, how much responsibility he will have, um, likely who he's going to be reporting to, and what the interplay is going to be between he, Bartko, and Uh So it, it was about a 15-minute conversation that, that we got in there, and we talked a lot about recruiting and, and, and what Bartko's goals are and, and what fans can probably expect to see. Um, so I, that's definitely going to be a worthwhile uh, segment to check out. When uh, that's already up, right, Lucio? Uh,
0: no, I'm I'm gonna have it up. Uh, hopefully, I'll have it up within the next day or so. I'll have the. I'm gonna put it as part of the content of the website. Maybe even later on tonight. Uh, so just yeah, just hold on for that. I'll I'll get it up as soon as I get a chance. You know how these things work. <laughs> I'm, I'll I'll have it up. Uh, very shortly so maybe by tonight so just keep an eye out for it um just like this podcast <laughs> now uh josh moving on to the next portion um another one of the questions
1: friday night friday night
0: what by up uh, by friday night evan,
1: evan murray the quarterback of the high school's football team friday night oh okay <laughs> so saturday yeah like, literally the 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 young man had suffered his injury a day before um I, I'm actually going to be recording another podcast after this for, for on a more national level. And one of the things that we're talking about are uh, injuries and concussions after a film that I saw called The Business of Amateurs, which was made by former USC defensive end Bob DeMars, who actually was recruited during the Hackett era, uh, recruited by Robinson, played during the Hackett era, and actually got to start one game um before suffering a career-ending injury, uh, he actually started ahead of Kenichi Udesi for Pete Carroll's Trojans, and uh, he made this fascinating documentary about the health and safety of student athletes. And uh, we were going to be discussing that. So I had actually just got received an email uh, on Evan Murray from from one of my colleagues, who's like, "Yeah, you know, some advanced reading about the subject in case you missed this story." And uh, yeah, uh, Friday night, man. So. It's insane to think that the same thing, you know, it's just one hit ended with one kid in the hospital. The other ended with a kid in the morgue.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Un-
1: un- unreal to think that it's something that simple, you know, uh, I mean, so. Yeah. It, I, I I I couldn't. I,
0: and it's not the first time. I know this particular injury has happened uh, where other high school kids have died from. So it is. If for some reason this is a recurring injury that continues to keep uh, happening over and over, is the the ruptured spleen? So, do you think that because of the more uh, the injuries continuing to happen more and more often, do you think they're they're going to come up with something that's going to protect the spleen a little bit more, or is this just something that just can't, you know, there's there's no this way is around the
1: third it? Third American high school football player to die this year. So actually. Th- this month,
0: yeah. So that's September
1: fourth. You know, this is courtesy of Grantland. September fourth, Tyrell Cameron, a 16-year-old student at Franklin Parish High School in Louisiana, was killed when he took a hit on a punt return. On September 19th, Ben Ham, a 16-year-old student at Wesleyan Christian Wesleyan Christian School in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, died after suffering an injury in a uh, in a game a week earlier. Uh, almost two years before, Damon James, another 16-year-old who attended Brockton High in New York, got blown up, quote unquote, on a helmet-to-helmet hit, and just like Evan, walked off under his own power, and then he died.
0: Yeah, that's just that's just. I mean, it's sad, and hopefully they're going to come up with a way to kind of protect these uh, kids a little bit better, uh, because this it, this is a type of injury that. Uh, you know it's internal it's not like as if you you get a gash and you start bleeding and they can they can see it, it the only way they're going to know is if you start showing symptoms and sometimes the symptoms don't come up until it's a little bit too late so hopefully they can come uh, and find out a way to get around this this situation maybe with extra padding or something i don't know these guys are already pretty padded as it is nowadays <laughs> So um,
1: football's football's reaching a crossroads, and and it's it's the rising popularity of soccer combined with with the the concussion and and the trauma and and the ongoing. In, in piling up injury list ACL after ACL after ACL after MCL after concussion after concussion after spinal cord injury after spinal cord injury there are parents across the United States saying I this is not like I already know that I will not like short of my kid really stressing that he wants to play football I'm going to deter him away from it
0: and and that is the latest theme is uh, parents are starting to uh You know, become very, very worried for their kids as far as playing football because it is
1: be a hypocrite and tell my kid he cannot do something that that i'm doing you know or yeah. that i did i will not be that hypocrite but you can bet your ass i'll be that parent in the stands who won't be hesitant to yank his kid out of a game if i feel like something happened to him
0: <laughs> i don't as, care as i have. you know
1: you know man I, I mean the way that i look at it you can rebuild a reputation for for being you know having too overprotective of a parent you can't repair your life no, you can't. You can't bring yourself back from being paralyzed. You can't bring yourself back from from severe head trauma. It's just I, don't, <laughs> I feel like this po- this this podcast in general has taken a weird turn. But I, I, <laughs> I mean, in light of what happened with Ford, what happened with that, you know, this young man, Daniel Evans, right before. um, And, and, and uh, it's it's scary, man. It's it's or Evan Murray. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, it's it's scary, and and uh, you know, I we're we're fortunate that that we are able to report good news at this end. You know, that that Ford Childress is is going to be okay. That everything is going to be awesome. And
0: yeah, because yeah, I mean, the, the, the
1: worst the the worst news of our day is that we have to sit and talk about a game that Fresno State probably should have played better. When you <laughs> consider that that this young man's parents are planning you know, other, other things for him, uh, the situations just could be a lot worse. And uh, and so there's a little perspective here I,
0: on, yeah, this, this podcast could have been a whole lot worse today. Um, if you know, things went the other direction. Um, but you know, and
1: we're not sitting here trying to say like, you know, dwell on the macabre or, or, or trying to upset people with this. I, I, I think, I think that there's a point where it's an honest discussion that I don't think enough enough journalists are having. Now, eh, you know, I'm not saying, oh, Fresno State should stop playing football. I think that's unrealistic. I don't think we're there yet. I, I think society is getting toward a tipping point with something, but I don't necessarily think it's the demise of football. I don't think we're anything close to that. But but I think everybody, fans, spectator and journalist alike, wants to see the protection of these players. We want to see these players have the chance to live out their, you know, hopes and dreams. Whether that's on the football field or off the football field, um, everybody wants to see these guys return home safely. And, and, you know, we wins and losses are something that we can discuss. But, but, but there are more important things from time to time. And, yeah, it was. I don't know. I didn't mean to derail it. We can get back on to San Diego State <laughs> no, not, and, and wrap this bitch up.
0: Not a problem. I, you know, I just wanted to touch on another question uh, Jacob Eleven had.
1: Ah, uh, yes, Jacob.
0: That's a. I think this is a good one. So I, I wanted to hit this one up with you here. It's he states here, it's insane to hear uh, Tim Deruder say it, it. It was a coaching mistake to have Waller uh, Martez play in the first series. Uh, Then later, when asked if he will get more involved with play calling, he says no, and he wants his coordinators to coordinate. So you admit Shram made a mistake. Now it's week five, and you're still giving him total control. Isn't it the boss's job to take back duties if those that were performing them aren't doing a good enough job? This is crazy. So, you know... Uh
1: no, um, yeah, I, I mean, I understand where he's coming from, but on this one, no, because DeRuiter, by and large, is not an offensive guy. And you, you can't fit a square peg into a round hole. And if you do, it's it's, it's going to get a lot worse. That's not to say that, that he couldn't delegate or have somebody like Joe Wade or Ron Antoine step up and, and, and do something a little bit different. But um, you don't... When you, there, there's a very delicate balance between being a head coach and, and your coordinators, if you strip them of your duties, essentially what you have is an overpaid, you know, position coach. So you don't want to be that guy who, who micromanages unless you've set the tone for that. Deruter hasn't set the tone for that. He's never really been a guy like Saban who, who sits in on the defensive meeting, you know, with Kirby smart. That's not, You know, I, I'm not saying DeRuiter doesn't do that, but there, there are more head coaches, you know, if you take a look at Sark, who used to be super involved with the play calling Lane Kiffin, another example, you know, probably too involved on either the offensive side or the defensive side when they should have been letting those, their coordinators handle those duties. What DeRuder really needs to be doing is bouncing back and forth between those meetings and figuring out as a head coach if what they're discussing in their meetings is actually jibing with what the overall game plan is. If as Jacob said, that that in and, and then I think this falls back to what I was saying about the offense and the defense getting their guys set up for down and distance, if you know, being able to extend drives, give your defense a break, these are all this is all part of that. And and if DeRooter's not sitting in on these meetings and and at least he's the head coach, if anybody's going to know this system, the minute these coaches start talking about, well, this is what we're going to do, DeRuiter's got to speak up and say, well, actually, guys, this is the defensive game plan for this week. So we need to approach this from this perspective on offense. If you constantly stick with your scheme and insist that it's the right scheme every single time, it's the wrong scheme every single time. And the reason is, is because there is no right scheme every single time you need to be adaptable and you need to, to understand what's going on in the game and make those adjustments accordingly. That's what doesn't seem to be happening. And, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Daruder steps in and and does a little bit more on the defensive side, which is where you'd see it, but on the offensive side, no. I mean, what I don't know that fans necessarily want Deruder calling offensive plays. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that because because he's he'd be bad. Like, I, it's it's never really been his thing throughout college. Like, you wouldn't hire a special teams guy to to run your defense. It just it doesn't make a lot of sense. So I I I, I, it, uh, I get where he's coming from, but not 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 with Shram. Probably more with Toth.
0: Yeah, you know, and uh, coming when Tim Deruder was first hired for this job, there was all this praise of how he would go into schools and pretty much change their their defensive rank. And he hasn't done that since he's been here at Fresno State. He did it the very first season and that was it and that was Pat with Pat Hill's players um and ever since then i know you already rattled off some of this uh the information as far as how bad this defense has become you, know, you th- you'd think that the would kind of step in and start taking some of those responsibilities away from toth but yet he continues to let toth handle most of the most of the planning and i just don't think that this is going in the right direction and deruter really needs to take control of that and maybe instead of calling you know doing the calling the offensive plays he needs to start calling those defensive plays like you're saying and just really take control of that defense and tell toth look get it together or you may not make it the rest of the season i i just don't know i i, I see deruter as being a little bit too nice to toth right now and he really needs to take more of a stern approach and more of a hands-on approach and, and kind of take leadership of this team and start putting a lot of this blame on his own shoulders. And, you know, I get compartmentalizing the offense and defense and letting the coaches coach. Is that a way for him to kind of say, look, they're they're the ones coaching this stuff. I have nothing to do with this. So he doesn't take any of the blame doesn't work that way I mean he needs to really just start taking control of that defense now Josh one final question and we'll wrap this one up by it's by dog fan 209 and he uh, he's asking is there a realistic shot against San Diego State University and if we see the same team we saw out there last Saturday against San Jose State how many games do you see the Bulldogs winning if DeRuiter continues to put the fault on the players and not take any of, of the heat himself for these losses, is that going to hurt him when it comes to Barco deciding on coaches returning next year? Last, Lastly, are these losses a matter of being outmatched, or is this just a case of constantly being outcoached? So uh, <laughs> that's actually a very good question. So, Josh, what's your take on this one?
1: Um. First and foremost, I think there is a realistic shot against SDSU. Um, mostly because, well, I mean, they're both one and three. So at a certain point, yeah, there's a realistic shot. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: uh, if you see the same team that we saw out there again, it's SJSU. Then I, I, I mean, I, I probably pretty much put this Bulldog team at about three or four wins. Um, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And lastly, uh are these yeah in in okay first as as to the question of being outmatched or a case of constantly being outcoached I think it's it's yes it's a column it's a little bit of column a in in a little bit of column b I think when you look at the first three games of last year it 90 well not 90 80 percent just outmatched like I, I USC Nebraska and 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 Utah three games in a row, just you know, or this year against Ole Miss, outmatched. But when you say outmatched, it's it's implied that a loss is going to happen. I think teams can be outmatched and play better than they have. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, and 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 Fresno fans constantly reference Boise teams. That, that, that go out there and acquit themselves a little bit better than what we've seen from these Bulldogs against Power 5 opponents. And I think that's where the outcoached comes into play. But when you're talking about Mountain West, uh, I tend to think that that's just outcoached. Yeah. I, I mean, he... sometimes it's just the game plan not working or, or guys, you know, just I mean, there's going to be games in there where you have a bad game.
0: Oh, and last week was definitely one of them. I mean, it's probably the worst coached I've seen them yet. Uh players were out of position. I mean, you even you even had refs making blocks for the opposition. <laughs> I mean, it, blown coverages left and right. I mean, it was it was a long long night watching this game and I I uh, I wanted to turn it off but I wanted to make sure I saw the whole thing so I have more of a, a more of an objective look at what was going on and it was completely just completely outcoached players were just in the wrong spot I mean it was it was just terrible to watch and I just I couldn't deal with it but that's if they do the same thing they did last week against San Diego State it's going to be another long night, um, you know.
1: Yeah, because what killed them against San Diego or against Utah in uh, and, 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 and San Jose was just an inability to stop basic plays. I mean, whether it was basic routes or basic running plays. I mean, slip screens. Just, you know, uh, getting uh, – San Diego State do not have – a particularly loaded roster. They have some players, but Fresno State picked their pocket when it came to to, to getting some of the players uh, that both schools were recruited recruiting for. So the, the the Fresno State team that's going to take the field against San Diego State this weekend, in my opinion, is, is more talented.
0: Whether or not they're coached properly, that's a we different have story.
1: Rocky Long versus Tim Daruder. Tim Deruder's had his number, and in one of the things that Deruder has going for him is that he has yet to lose that you know battle for for, for uh, the milk can or, or battle for the oil can, excuse me. If he loses this game,
0: it could be the it could be beginning of the end, pretty much.
1: I mean, this is this is the one that he hasn't lost yet, so.
0: Oh, well, he and if he loses this one, um you can pretty much guarantee all hell's gonna break loose, uh, well, with if it loses this one, the Bulldogs
1: fans. are basically out of it for, for a division or conference. I mean that's I mean they need every other team to lose twice and, and that's that then would be their two biggest rivals. So they need a hell of a lot to happen. You yeah. know, I I mean or at least their two biggest western division rivals.
0: Yeah, and and that'll put the the Bulldogs in 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 a real tough spot this season uh to even qualify I mean let alone winning the division they would have a hard time even qualifying for a bowl game if they continue in this downward spiral well
1: I mean if they if they don't win this game they're gonna be at one in four yeah and, and 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 now you're still talking about games at BYU you've still got Colorado State on the menu you've still got I believe a meeting with Utah State on the menu.
0: Yeah. Um although the Utah State is not the same Utah State that uh we were expecting at this uh this I, year. I don't
1: I don't necessarily think it's mattered.
0: No. <laughs> yeah. We weren't expecting uh, San Jose to do anything with uh their nope. backup quarterback and he was pretty well he was very serviceable in this game, and uh a lot of that was the Bulldogs shooting themselves in the foot by blown coverages. There was a number of blown coverages this past game so it doesn't do you any good what quarterback comes up against you. If you don't have your players in the right position to make the play, they're just going to light you up. It doesn't matter who's in there at quarterback. I could be in there at quarterback and I can still pull off a win if you don't cover it correctly. So, you know, it is what it is. With that being said, Josh, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up and, um, Wrap it up, B. Wrap it up. One quick announcement that we got to make. The the podcast now has another way for fans to listen. Uh, We are now available on Stitcher. I know a lot of people are familiar with that uh, website or that app that you can get on any particular phone. So if you felt like you were kind of left out with your Android device, you're now able to listen to the show uh, via the... um, Stitcher app. So all you have to do is put in the search bar Red Wave Report and the the show will pop up on there. Every single episode that we have done is on that app. So there's another way for you to listen. And it's just another way that I'm going to continue to try to, you know, make our reach a little bit bigger. So I'll keep looking for other ways. If there's any other way that anybody is thinking of that they would like to have us on, shoot me an email Report. Uh, At gmail.com, and I'll look into it as far as trying to get it on that as well. Um, And then also, we reached another milestone. We have now officially reached our 10,000th download of the show. So that is a great milestone. That means people are listening and are, you know, it's helping us get where we want to be. We still got a ways to go where Josh and I want to take this show. So, you know, keep listening and help us get to that point. So, Josh, why don't you go ahead and start getting out some of your closing items here?
1: Um, basically, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you You're can at bulldogstwist, or you can follow the site at Barkboard Scout. There's also our good buddy Jackson who just dropped a load of information on the site at Jackson M underscore Scout. Uh, Lucio is always is at Red Wave Report, and uh, you know, I'm I'm working on a defensive article with uh, uh, with an advanced metrics guy from SB Nation's uh, Football Study Hall, who do a tremendous job of tracking and charting plays and sort of charting games and and, and looking at things and. I'm trying to get a more comprehensive look at what's going on with this defense to bring it to you guys. I know that there's a lot of people talking about the offense right now and that they feel the offense is the problem. Don't worry, we're going to get there. I feel, I feel like there's only so much bad you can digest at once. Right now, I, I I think it's a bit easier of a task to look at what this defense hasn't accomplished rather than tackle the problem out of the gate of dis- dissecting whether the offense was was uh, well, sufficiently boosted by Derek Carr's presence, or whether it was a scheme thing? Well, we—I um, think we know that's where a that bit is. Trickier. Well, right, but it's a bit trickier to prove numbers-wise in approaching it, and takes a bit more time. So that's why we haven't gotten to the offense yet. But be patient. There's more than enough stuff for us to examine, and we're doing it. Um, we we are you know we. We want to know what's going wrong with this team as much as you guys. And right now, there are a lot of hot takes going around, and I'm not a hot take guy. I'm, I'm a methodical kind of guy, and I kind of like to vet things out and see where they are. Um, and and and, and we'll, we will try to, to as best we can, come up with a question to, to the, uh, or come up with an answer to the question of offense or defense. Which blew first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> and <laughs> um, you know, I it really right now, I I, I think that, that 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 we're it's a tough time, man. But hang in there, because as always, we are going to keep you flowing with the very best that Fresno State information. Well, let me restart that. Um, I know it's a tough time for you guys, but please understand that we. We know it's a tough time and we're out there trying to find stuff that isn't going to drive you guys crazy. We're trying to find some guests that can come on, change things up a bit uh, and talk about things that are a bit different than just losing because nobody wants to talk about losing week in and week out. Like that's a UNLV podcast, man. (laughs) Uh, So we're we're. We're experimenting with new ideas all the time, and, and we're constantly trying to grow the site. So for those of you asking for, for a little bit more on the offensive side of the ball, just be patient with us and it'll be up there soon enough.
0: Yeah, and you know just just hang tight and uh, continue to listening, uh, continue to listening to our show as we uh, you know we'll, we'll get some of that information for you. And uh, Josh is hard at work trying to crunch those numbers. So again, I like to thank everyone for tuning in. And uh, join us back again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.